Greetings, and welcome to the Thirsty Mage, the podcast whose favorite summer activity is curling up in the hammock with a six-pack and a switch. I'm your host, David Lloyd, and this week we're kicking back and chilling with a wide array of games that will help you beat the summer heat. But first, let me introduce who I've got with me at the pub tonight. After spending the last two weeks unsuccessfully searching the country for Dr. Pepper Cream Soda, our resident speedrunner returns to discuss the trio of titles he's been playing. He's NWR Reviews Editor, Jordan Rudick. You know, I tried every border crossing between Canada and the U.S., and not a single one would allow me in to America on the basis of trying to find Dr. Pepper Cream Soda. So (laughs) it was my mistake for trying to go on that adventure during a pandemic. Uh, Might have to wait till late 2021 or whenever things start to get better to to continue the search. But uh, yeah, happy to be back. Obviously, uh, I've I've totally forgotten how to podcast. I'm going to rely on you two gentlemen to... uh, uh, help me out of this hole here, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's good. We're going to talk about a bunch of fun games, and uh, it's nice to get back uh, into the swing of things. Yeah, and also returning from a two-week absence himself is uh, after the his marathon 200th episode with the Talk Nintendo podcast. He's the uh, Eve's expert on our podcast and a- aforementioned TNP co-host, Casey Gibson. Well, I don't know if I'm an Eve's expert, but I am definitely an Eve's enthusiast, and I'm a little surprised to see David made it to the show tonight. He did pick up Final Fantasy XIV online, <laughs> so I figured uh, he might be down the rabbit hole already. Yeah, well, the the only thing that saved me tonight was crappy uh, country internet, so uh, I'm going to have to wait another 24 hours before I can play my new game. So Before your life's over. <laughs> yeah, b- before, before I go uh, deep underground and uh, never heard from again. I was checking our podcast schedule for the next uh, four or five weeks, and for some reason, every episode is covering Final Fantasy fourteen. So, uh, <laughs> oh, well, if, don't if you're listening forget, and you're looking forward to it, you know that's good. But d- don't forget about that one week where we make the the comparisons between WoW and then Final Fantasy fourteen. I thought you were going to say that one week where we talk about Quest sixty four, Casey, but uh, I've, I've sold you short, I guess. <laughs> God forbid we take a week off of uh, MMOs to play uh, a fantastic <laughs> N64 game. Yeah, yeah. The cream of the crop N64 game. Mm-hmm. I'll be back as soon as I'm banned from the server for causing too much uh, chaos and the uh, attacking anything that moves. <laughs> What's going to get you keeps... banned from the server is your your ping being so high because of your country, the aforementioned country <laughs> internet. <laughs> why is this guy? Why is this guy like moving like a, a you know? Uh, yeah, maybe it's a second hacks. or something. That's yeah. <laughs> right. I'm. I'm. I have uh, an invincibility on my character because the computer never knows where I am at any given point. <laughs> <laughs> he was connected on this side of the room a minute ago, and now we don't know where he went. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's. I've been meaning to get into it forever, and I finally. Uh, finally caved to the all the different. Uh, advertisements that I've been seeing all day today I've been seeing it on like a couple of the websites I was in and I've seen it on tw- like every second tweet is talking about Final Fantasy 14 so uh, I-, I caved and ended up getting it on PS4 so we're going to see how that turns out I mean I think we follow a lot of the same people on Twitter it, yeah it, it you're right like a lot of people just constantly talk about this game they seem to do a lot of good work updating it 
uh, the expansions and everything like that, uh, new characters. They do a lot of crossover events. I think they've done one with Nier Automata, uh, with Dragon Quest, uh, other series as well, not just um, uh, Square Enix ones too. So uh, I think maybe Monster Hunter had one too. So that's, there's a Capcom one for you. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to hearing more of your thoughts. I, I can't believe that you're finally going to take that plunge, uh, considering the, the mountain of RPGs we have to play uh, for the rest of the year. But uh yeah, I, again, everybody listening, look forward to a lot of MMO <laughs> talk coming up with these two, so it's good. Yeah, and, but that's the good thing about an MMO. It's never truly over, so it just is, you know? No, just the only thing over is your life, that's yeah. all. The MMO is never over, it becomes your life, so. That's a legitimate fear, I'm telling you. So I, I mean, I, I at one point in my life, I, I might have mentioned it to you guys, I don't know, uh, I, I was raiding at one point. At the highlight of my life, quote-unquote highlight of my uh, MMO life, was uh, I was raiding five nights a week for like five hours a clip. Oh, but <laughs> but I will say, we were freaking amazing, dude. We, we were like a top top 100, like real good guild. It was pretty I mean, if you're, if you're putting in 24 hours a week plus, I would hope you're one of the best ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know what it is? It's you put in that much time while you're progressing through the bosses, and then like you eventually get them on farm, and it doesn't take nearly as much time. But yeah, it it was. uh, Like I I said, if you've got a if you have a committed group, right? Like if you have a committed group of guys that is going to get together for this amount of time every week, like yeah, like this is the way one of the ways to be really successful in that game. Yeah, and uh, we um, like I said, it saved me a lot of money in college too. Because yeah, that, that was the year you. I was living with uh, my one buddy, and, and he, he was a party man, you know, so he was going out, like, literally, like, five nights a week, and he would, come on, Casey, I'd be like, I can't. I would have probably flunked out of college if not for WoW, which, you, that's not something you hear very often, you know? You hear the opposite, Exactly, <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jordan, you, you couldn't find uh, the Dr. Pepper Cream Soda, but what did you find for this week's uh, podcast? Yeah, so I, I've been, again, I've been back on the, my smoothie train. I'm trying to find something, you know, I, I've been really weird. Like, all the all these fruits seem to start giving me uh, sore throats, you know. Like, there's, if there's, I'm always consuming something that seems to be a potential danger to me uh, physiologically. But uh, I, I've been, uh, yeah, trying to try different frozen fruits and different combinations of things to find. Uh, uh, I'm just, you know, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get more fruit, more healthy stuff in my diet here. Uh, the the pack, the, the COVID nineteen pounds edition uh, is certainly real. So um, yeah, trying to get doing more walking. Uh, gonna get start going back to the gym next week. But yeah, I've been on the smoothie train. Uh, so I've got a uh, bay. So I put. Uh, like a whole banana, and that's kind of my non-frozen fruit, uh, and it adds the sweetness, right? Uh, and then I do, this one is strawberry, mango, and peach. Those are frozen fruits, and then I just, I, I fill it up with almond or cashew milk, whatever we've got in the house. Uh, it's good, you know, again, a nice kind of cool, refreshing thing for the summer. Um, it, it's it's not super sweet, because the bananas weren't all, the, uh, the bananas we bought, we just got them today, so not all that ripe, but uh, uh, very good, you know, I, I, I'm always been a fan of my smoothies I, it was funny like when i first started making them i was putting in like ice cream and honey and like it was totally defeating the purpose of having a smoothie because <laughs> i'm putting in all this extra sugar in addition to the fruit sugars already so this doesn't yeah, those taste were, like, right put more i mean those sugar were basically 
they were basically milkshakes at that point, you know, like they weren't really smoothies. Uh, so, uh, yeah, maybe that's just the nomenclature, but I'm trying, yeah, trying to go more healthy, more pure with these ones. And this is a good one, although I think, you know, I've got a little bit of a tickle, so I don't know if it's the strawberry, if it's, uh, you know, what fruit in there is, is bugging me a little bit, but I think the, the search is going to continue for a smoothie that uh, doesn't really have uh, any uh, after effects on my body or my my give me a sore throat or something like that. So I uh, like the taste of this one, but uh, yeah, I might have to keep looking for something else. I might leave the strawberries out of the next one. Just try the, the banana, the peach, and the mango, see how that one does. But uh, tasty, but yeah, this one might, I might not come back to this one for a while. Yeah, I, I got my kids hooked on uh, the same, almost like, very close to the same recipe, maybe just less the okay. banana. Uh, but yeah. instead of um, the first time I did it, I instead of like almond milk, I used uh, orange juice. Okay. And then um, that's gotta be really sweet. Yeah. So they they love that. And then when I tried <laughs> to course. switch it switch it to almond milk, uh, I uh, I got uh, some jeers from the uh, the kitchen oh, no. table that uh, <laughs> that my uh, recipe was not up to snuff as it was yeah. the week before. So now. Uh, uh, all almond milk has been banned from smoothies in my house. Oh, no. Mm. See, now, th- this is where you throw the banana in, because the banana can add that sweetness that might might sway them back to the almond milk. I don't know. But you guys do a bunch of soy milk at your place, too, right? Do it for, like, uh, coffee and stuff. So Yeah, I have, like you... a, I have a specific uh, barista blend. Uh, right. Soy for, uh, like, lattes and stuff. So it. Okay, okay. Yeah. So have, they, have the kids tried that in their smoothies or? No, I probably now that I think of it, I kind of should because it it has a bit of a like it still tastes like soy, but it's got a yeah. little tinge of like caramel almost to it because it's yeah yeah they espresso. might like that yeah so yeah, they, they might like that I have to try that next time. So. Yeah, I I mean I've done orange juice before too, but I I prefer like a creamier smoothie, and if the orange juice yeah it's too sweet, it's too like. It's a little even, runny, even like tang, tangy, or yeah, watery. I guess. Yeah, yeah. 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 Do, do you guys have like tropical smoothie cafe in Canada? We have like jumbo never... juice. Uh... Yeah, Jamba Juice or Booster Juice are the ones near me yeah. that I can think of. I, I haven't heard of that one before. A case. Uh, that, that's, I guess maybe a, a states thing, but down here, oh, yeah. super good. I, I get like a kiwi quencher. It's got like yeah, strawberry and and I think you know obviously kiwi and stuff. Oh, super good. Yeah, but they also have really, really good. good like wraps and stuff. Oh mm. god, I, it's so yeah, late it, here and I'm I'm so hungry. I would love to eat all that right now. <laughs> <laughs> the problem the, the problem with some of those places I find is they're really expensive and like you mm-hmm. know yeah eight, eight to ten dollars for a smoothie when you can make it for yourself. Oh like, man, that's crazy. You know, a fraction expensive. of the cost. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons I stopped. I stopped going to those places is a like they weren't very quick to jump on the uh, non-dairy options like a lot of stuff with it had like frozen yogurt or or milk or something like it weren't a lot of non-dairy choices so okay like uh well there isn't much here that I can get that uh, is going to be okay for me uh, and then yeah just the, the price for those things all the additions they put in it and on top of it like you want to add protein and things it's yeah, ten or twelve bucks. You're walking out of there with a smoothie and that's before you get any food so it's like uh, uh see, yeah it's that- a, little, a little pricey but. This one's not as bad. Um, okay. I think, like, if you, if you get it alone, it might be five or six bucks. But if you, mm. like, they have it where if you get a meal, you get, like, and you get a smoothie as well, it's, like, discounted. Yeah. So it's okay. usually, like, I could get, um, it's like a chicken Caesar salad wrap, fry, not fries, excuse me, chips and a smoothie, yeah. and I think it's, like, 12 bucks. That's very reasonable. Yeah, very so reasonable. it's not yeah. really too bad. Like, I mean, you know. To me, it's like when I go out to lunch, like I want to spend less than 10 bucks total, you know, ideally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it's one of those, like, 
I'm getting a smoothie as well, you know. So, but yeah, sure. you don't feel so bad because you know you, you feel like you're eating healthier and um, yeah, and yeah. They're, so, they're it, not that, I mean, that's a pretty you. filling meal too, right? Like you're getting a lot of calories from from something like that if you're getting food with it too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And for the alcoholic drink of the of the week, uh, I went back to the Scotch Ale uh, types. Uh, this one is a brand new one that I'm trying. It's called. It's from Microbrasserie. <laughs> Microbrasserie <laughs> Kodakuk. I probably re- mispronounced all of that, but anyway, it's uh, it's made in a microbrewery here in uh, uh, Quebec, in the town of Kodakuk, and it's uh, yeah, it's a nice Scotch ale. It's less usually the Scotch ales I've been drinking around like eight, nine, ten percent, but this one I don't know why, but it's only four point six. Uh, but it's um, yeah, it's 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 all right. It's it's I would say the it loses a bit of a flavor, but it's but it doesn't have quite the same bite to it that a normal Scotch ale does. So uh, if 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 the normal Scotch ale is a little thicker, or a little little uh, too too uh, alcoholic for you, then this is kind of I guess a good spot to come in to the uh, the Scotch ale types if if that's what you're looking for, because the this is a lighter one, but uh, it's still pretty good. It's uh, there, it's kind of hard to screw up a Scotch ale, so I, I'm I'm enjoying this one. It's a it's a David, good summer you, Scotch ale. You you mentioned a, a bunch of places uh, on the show where, especially Quebec or Ontario or closer to you, where uh, these beers are actually being made at the, at the actual microbreweries themselves. Like, have you ever gone to like gone gone to some of the actual breweries that uh, for beers that you've mentioned on the show, or do you have you know do you want to go? Do you like do you make do you plan to go to some of those places and just kind of check them out, see see what they're doing? I don't know if they have like, um, you know, you can actually go in and do tastings and stuff. I don't know, but I think that'd be a pretty cool thing to talk about too. Yeah, I've I've been in a couple. There's um there's one that by an uh, an ex NHL player called Big Rig Brewery, mm-hmm. and um there's the player uh, Chris Phillips from the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, yeah, another name. Yeah, so the yeah he he set up a brewery uh, in uh, Canada. So I've I've been to that one. Um, there's also another one. I'm trying to remember. Wasn't there, a, there wasn't the Senators Arena in Canada, or, or am I thinking of a different one? No, that that's you're right. The yeah. they uh, that it's near. It's actually not that far from from the arena because uh, yeah, most of the players kind of live out there anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's uh the one that I've also been to quite a bit because uh, they they have a nice restaurant there too. Is the Mill Street Brewery? Okay. Uh, yeah, Mill Street's uh I think is more national. Like uh, I'm pretty sure you can pretty much get Mill Street anywhere, but. They have a brewery uh, right uh, near Parliament. It's like down the street from Parliament buildings, and uh, yeah, they they always uh, I like Mill Street because they if you go in there, they're always doing like weird, like they they're pretty adventurous on the flavors that they have, and they, they always mm-hmm. have like seasonal stuff. So each you know you can go in every couple well you know pre pandemic I guess you could go in yes. every every couple months and try something new. So it's. Uh, uh, that's I think that's like one of the first things I'd like to do when uh, things start to go back to normal is head in there and pick up something from there. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, their website right now. They've got a, some really nice patios, actually, but uh, which would probably be a, a safer option for anybody right now. Uh, n- unfortunately, none on the West Coast. Uh, Calgary, St. John's, uh, Ottawa, Toronto. Uh, there's even one at the Pearson International Airport in Toronto, so that's kind of neat too. But yeah, I've def- definitely heard of that name, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, none uh, none out here. 
Yeah, I'm, they, sure, I'm sure you get, like I said, I'm sure you could get the beer out here, but uh, they don't have the the, the actual locations. Yeah. yeah, the only only other thing I can think of that might be in BC would be like uh, the three brewers. Uh, okay. th- they're called Les, Les Trois Bressers here, but um, that that's probably that's another one. I don't know if their actual brewery was the restaurant I went into or not, though. But they've got a few of those as well. But mm. yeah, it's always neat going to the ones that have the the actual brewery in the in the building because you you get there. There's always flavors that you just can't get anywhere else that are fun to try. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a neat experience to go and like kind of see. You know, yeah, so maybe some more experimental flavors or meet some of the people that are actually working on the beers and, you know, kind of chat with them a little bit about it. It's kind of a neat thing. Yeah. I, I know we, we've got, uh, my wife and I have gotten a chance to do that with some of the uh, really the smaller uh, micro breweries around around, uh, around where we live. Um, my wife was spending a bunch of time there uh, last summer with her girlfriend, actually. But, uh, well, I slaved away uh, working, <laughs> but... You know, it's, hey, it's not like she's not working, taking care of the kids. And meanwhile, uh, so he was stuck drinking his decaf coffee. I was, yeah. <laughs> Sitting in my office marking papers, just like I'm doing now. One thing uh, that that should take your mind off of uh, marking those papers, you were you were. It's not an RPG, but you were super excited to talk about it. So why don't we kick off uh, this week's discussion with Donkey Kong Country? Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> not. It's definitely not an RPG unless uh, you you spend your time playing the game, imagining that you are Donkey Kong and you are rolling through, uh, you know, rolling through uh, uh, King K. Rules. Uh, uh, troops or uh, a you know, whole throwing, new, throwing uh, barrels of things. Definition to role playing. <laughs> Very good, Casey. Yeah, I set you up there too. Um, yeah, Donkey Kong Country uh, recently came to the Nintendo Switch Online. Uh, they added three new games to the service: uh, two uh, on the Super Nintendo side and one on the NES side. Um, Donkey Kong Country is one of my favorite platformers. Um, I, I'm I think I'm in the minority uh, as someone who um, really pref- almost prefers the first one. Uh, I find it more. A little more brisk. I like the environments a little bit more. Um, I, I think I just prefer using Donkey Kong uh, over over Dixie as well. Like Diddy's good, but he's really fast. I just like Donkey Kong's more powerful, uh, more powerful uh, uh, jumps and end rolls and things like that. Um, yeah, Donkey Kong Country is fantastic. I I, I played through it in like two nights. Uh, took me my playthrough took about hour and a half, hour and twenty minutes or something. Uh, I I did make use of the rewind feature a little bit, um, but. I don't. I don't think it's a an overly hard game if you've played it before. I think you, you the the physics are a little bit different from from other platformers, especially Donkey. Uh, he has a lot of heft and weight to him, so uh, if you're not used to that, uh, it's it's definitely easier to play with Diddy. Um, but at the same time, like Diddy can't destroy all of the enemies that you stomp on. Some of the bigger foes, you you need to use a barrel or just avoid them entirely if you don't have Donkey Kong available. Um, I, I love the the animal companions that you get to ride on in the different stages. Uh, discovering the bonus rooms is really fun too. Like you're often carrying a barrel uh, and just kind of smashing against a wall, and then you get to you get to enter a bonus room, collect extra bananas, extra lives, uh, or tokens that let you uh, do the animal bonus rooms. The animal bonus rooms are actually really fun. Uh, where you again, you're everything just collecting, collecting extra everything. lives. <laughs> 
right? Like it, it's it, it's it, that's the funny thing about the first game, and I think where it where the second one does improve on it is all the collectibles that the second and third game would introduce. You know, they they do kind of become almost the collectathons that Donkey Kong 64 would be, you know? Mm. Um, they uh, There's just so many extra coins and things to collect from the bonus rooms. You're almost incentivized to do more exploring because, uh, if I'm not mistaken, both uh, Country 2 and 3 have uh, entire new worlds you can open up with the, the co- some of the, the DK coins that you collect. Uh, obviously, Donkey Kong Country, the first one, doesn't have anything like that. It's a lot more straightforward. Um, but yeah, it, it's, you know, really, it's a, it's a brisk playthrough. I think there's about, you know, 30 to 40 stages in total or something like that. The bosses repeat, which is kind of lame. Uh, the King K. Rule fight's good. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I, the music is, it is so incredible. Like, you know, we talk about music a lot on this podcast and Donkey Kong Country, uh, you know, definitely one of those games where uh, the soundtrack is just absolutely top notch. Uh, I think it's David Weiss who uh, does the soundtrack for that. And, uh, you know, he's well known, you know, for composing uh, other rare games too. Um, uh, aquatic ambiance, you know, everyone's heard mm-hmm. that the, 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 the underwater or the, the water stage uh, theme music that plays every time uh, you're in one of those ones. It, it's, you know, it's, it's sublime, obviously. Uh, lots of good remixes of that online too. Yeah. Donkey Kong country. Um, uh, you guys, I, I, I imagine you're both familiar with the game. Oh yeah, yeah. I uh, I'm a big DKC guy, and uh, yeah, there are a lot of people, uh, Neil, <coughs> who uh, who's a hater. He's a hater. DK. I think he's more so just doesn't like look back as fondly as most people do on it. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, I love it. Um, two is still my favorite in the yeah. the trio. But I'd say probably two, one, three. But three is a really good game too. A lot of people sleep on that one. Um, mm-hmm. It's weird because it's like yeah, like you can't play as Donkey or Diddy, and then they give you freaking Baby Kong or whatever the heck his name is. But Kitty, uh, Kitty Kong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so which is a little strange. But yeah, no, I'm a I'm a Diddy guy through and through. So um, that's you know the first two are, are great because yeah, you get to use Diddy. Although I guess when Dixie rolls through, it's nice to sort of have that. Uh, you know, sort of helicopter glide, if you will. But yeah, I'm. Uh, I haven't played it. Uh, well, to completion, it's definitely been a while. But it's one of those games I can go back and you can play a few levels here and there, and and still have a lot of fun doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the environments are great. Like it really does feel like you're in a jungle. You're on like a a snowy mountain where, where the the snow starts picking up as you go through the stage and. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, like there, there are small things that are that are. It does take some getting used to, like the the physics and the the slipping and sliding on some of the the different terrains that you go on, the minecart levels. Mm. Um, yeah, all, yeah. There's a lot. I think I feel like there's more of those in the second game. The second game just has more variety, right? It has more variety of uh, stages and maybe obstacles, challenges to go through. Um, but yeah, for me, the first one, I, I obviously I played that one first. I think I I, I believe I owned it uh, as well when it came out. Um, but yeah, it was just such a cool new thing, uh, the way they did the, the, the models in that game. Like it wasn't something we have really seen before. Um, and yeah, it kind of just cemented for me rare is like this really, really cool developer that I want to keep following their games from that point forward after I'd played this one. David, have you played any Donkey Kong Country, uh, the first one or, or any other games in the series? Yeah, I've, I've played, uh, like all three SNES ones. I, I never, like, I played them later in life, though, because I, I didn't have an SNES growing up. It was, uh, mm-hmm. my cousin actually had it, and so I would play Donkey Kong Country whenever I go to his place. Uh, yeah. That, that was, like, one of the, you only had a couple games, um, so that was one of them. Um, so, I mean, I, I, it was fun. I'm, uh, 
uh, for plat like I'm not I don't play a whole lot of platformers and mm-hmm. uh, the ones like I I'd probably still play a Mario before uh, Donkey Kong but uh, but I I I saw the like the value in it and I enjoyed it when I played it but mm-hmm. uh, I I don't have the nostalgia for it though yeah yeah they I mean they're obviously a lot different just in you know visual style especially compared to like something like uh, Super Mario World or or Yoshi's Island obviously mm-hmm. um but yeah I, I like the the kind of the realism that they go for uh and again the the different physics that Donkey Kong and Diddy it takes some uh, you you might not be familiar with it right away, but one think once you figure it out, you can really really run through those stages. And I, I was playing it really quick. I wasn't trying to like savor it or find all the secrets or anything like that. I was just going as fast as I could, and um, you know as I do with every game nowadays it seems. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I, I really loved uh, really loved coming back to it. I really hope that we don't have to wait too long before the second and third games uh, come to Switch. I, I Casey, you're right. I think the third game does get. Uh, a lot of flack. I, I don't dislike it as much. I think they it does a lot of maze kind of things. I feel some of the, the stages are a little maze like. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second the second game did some of that too, but I think the third one maybe overdoes it. There's a little bit too much. Um, you know which which way do I have to go? How do I how do I uh, get through certain stages? It, it, it maybe not as straightforward or maybe not as uh, linear seeming as the the first two games. But I still want to go. I still want to replay both of those, and hopefully they'll come to the Nintendo Switch. Uh, online service sooner rather than later i mean it, it just it, donkey Kong country showing up like you know the switch came out in 2017 and we're only now getting one of you know a, a flagship kind of series for them or certainly a very very well regarded series uh that first entry has just come to the switch now you know three three odd years later so uh hopefully you know the the pace picks up or something the switch isn't going to be around forever uh and i'd love to see more uh more of these classic games uh show up soon so yeah it's sort of strange uh, we'll it took we'll so long <laughs> you know it, it, you think I mean, they would have yeah. come a couple of bangers like that right off the bat but yeah or at least you know every time they dropped you know a bunch of games you'd have yeah with one or two really well-known games to go along with some of the lesser knowns but i feel like we you know especially the nes game some of those ones i've never even heard of uh, the second game that got added to, uh, with Donkey Kong Country for Super Nintendo is is a wrestling game. I think it's um, it's either Natsume or uh, oh, the wrestling Tami game or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was I, Natsume I, I pl- uh, Championship. Natsume, yeah, yeah, I've I haven't played that one. Like, I I don't think the wrestling games really got good until the N sixty four, and I think they actually kind of flourished there. I think they were that was kind of the perfect console for. Uh, you know, WCW uh, Revenge and uh, and uh, WWF No Mercy, like those were great games. Oh man, um, yes, yes. The, the NES and Super Nintendo ones. Uh, I think the maybe just the the two dimensional nature of those made them more difficult to play. But uh, yeah, you know, maybe one day, you know, who knows when we'll get N sixty four games on Switch and we'll see uh, some of those uh, wrestling games. I know licensing is obviously a problem because yeah, they use they use uh, wrestlers' real names and stuff. But uh, you know, who knows? We'll see. Stranger Things, right? Now uh, I, I've noticed I'm looking at the uh, list of games here. I'm I'm slated to go next. Can I can I switch places with Casey and Casey can do his game next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I can jump in there just to stagger it up a little bit here. Yep. 
Yeah, you, you mean you don't want to keep on talking, Jordan? We, we love hearing that voice. You know, if you let me keep talking, I'm just going to do all the games in the list, whether I've played them or not. I'm just going to tell you what I know and what I think about them. Uh, so. Are you sure that the uh, the sore throats are from the smoothies and not you just rambling? Yeah, well, see, that's why that's the real reason I took time off the podcast. My throat was killing me from always repeating Perry and talking over David. So I really needed, I needed a break. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, I can jump in here. I've been playing uh, a little bit of that new hotness, if you will, uh, Paper Mario the Origami King. And I believe, am I the only, I know David is not playing it. Are, Jordan, did you get this? I did not get it. Although I got to admit, I have been a little tempted. I don't know if I'm going to get it, but like I, I am interested in it. Okay, okay. Well, maybe I can sway you one way or the other. We'll, we'll see how it yep. goes. Have so, um, it. yeah. All right. So, for those unfamiliar with Paper Mario, it's not really an RPG. Um, we, they've moved away from the roots and uh, don't expect this one to get back on board at all, really. Uh, because this, to me, is not an RPG at all. Um, but that doesn't mean it's bad by any stretch of the imagination it's just not an rpg so if you are are going to go into this game thinking it's going to be you know bring back the 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 wonder years of thousand year door you will be in for a, a not a good time um it there are battles but they're not really battles you know so pretty much um you get in there and i guess we'll go over the battle system first and then i can talk about all the other stuff uh it is they're, they're puzzles, essentially. So you're, there's obviously you're, you're walking around these 3D environments. Um, you're going to see enemies. You're going to encounter these enemies. Oh, you're in a battle. Boom. But uh, it, it doesn't play out like a traditional RPG at all. Um, essentially, you're in the middle, and there are a number of rings around you, and then there are a bunch of enemies. And you can pretty much take out these enemies in... One of two ways, ideally. Uh, you either line them up in a straight line, so, you know, um, like more of like a vertical line going out, and you can do, um, you know, your jumps, and then they do have action commands uh, that give you extra bonus damage, so, like, that that still is present in the game, and, you know, you'll sort of bonk each one of the enemy's heads down the line, um, or you can stack them up two by two, you know, so there'll be... Uh, very close to Mario in the middle, and it'll just be like two uh, rows and and one, two, one, two. So it's almost just like a two-by-two two grid, and then you can hit them with a hammer. And again, you can use the action commands to hit them with the hammer. You get extra bonus damage. Um, but the thing is, you have like X amount of seconds to figure out this puzzle. Now, in the beginning, it's super simple, right? Like they're throwing they're throwing up meatballs for you at the plate, right? Really easy to line them up. And in the beginning, I was like, like man, like I, I hope this gets a little harder because like these are really easy. Um, but eventually, you know, more enemies are thrown into the mix, and they do make you start to think like, okay, how am I going to line these characters up uh, or these enemies up? properly so i can you know deal out the damage because when you do a perfect lineup and uh, that's categorized by you know having all the enemies grouped up together whether like i said it's sort of the straight line or the the clump uh close for mario to hit with the hammer if you line up all the enemies and let's just say there's 12 enemies you'd have to set up essentially three groupings um and how it works is essentially you can Beat each battle in one turn if you do it properly. Um, 
it'll show you like, okay, there's 12 enemies, you've got three movements on the ring, and then you get three attacks. And if now, if you don't line it up properly, you're not going to be able to kill all the enemies, and then they'll attack you, and you do have, it, you know, your hit points, you can use, again, action commands to sort of block, um, not completely, but just reduce the incoming damage. But, like I said, ideally, if you do it properly, you line them all up, there, you know, now I can hit them, boom, all my moves are going to hit every single enemy here, and if you do it properly, they actually give you, like, 1.5 damage, you know, instead of just normal damage, so you get extra damage on top of that, so, obviously, it's, it's really beneficial to, um, you know, line them all up in one go, boom, take them out, but... Essentially, like I said, it, it, they're just puzzles, you know, so if you could fi figure out the puzzle, like, you win. Um, and if you don't figure out the puzzle, like I said, you'll get hit. You can lose, but you're probably not going to. I mean, you do take a lot of damage, because like I was, so instance, if you had 12 enemies, right, and you didn't do it properly, you didn't get the bonus damage, there, you know, you only took out, you know, four of the enemies, so there's eight. Now you're getting attacked by eight enemies, and, you know, they, they definitely hit you hard. Um, so, there is a chance you could die, but, you know, you've got mushrooms and stuff and, and, and HP uh, boosters in that regard. But, uh, essentially, too, with the enemy, uh, with dishing out, you know, your attacks, you have your boots, like your jump attack, your hammer, and those are always with you, but you get these special weapons as you go, and I shouldn't necessarily say special, but, you, you know, more powerful weapons, but they actually have a durability. So you'll get, like, shiny boots, and they do more damage, or you get iron boots, so you can jump on, uh, you know, spiked enemies, and you're not going to, you know, take damage yourself. But they have a, a limited use, so you want to be a little bit more, you know, sparingly using them. But you can also buy them from shops, you find a good amount of them. So the game sort of promotes, like, hey, don't worry about it, you know, like, you can use these, and you're going to get more back. But yeah, again, it's it all boils down to it's just a puzzle. You know, it's more of an adventure game with like these battles, but they're essentially just mini puzzles that you're doing. You're not getting experience. Um, you're not really, I mean, you could avoid the battles. Now, a big thing is finding the toads that are hidden around. So have either of you guys played Color Splash at all? No, no. I, played, I played Paper Jam uh, on 3DS and I felt like, a lot of that game was about finding toads or a lot of the puzzles or, or you know, means to progress was find all the missing toads. I, but I haven't played Color Splash yet. And and David, no, right? No, I the, the, the only Paper Mario I've played is Thousand Year Door. Gotcha. OK. All right. So in uh, Color Splash, like the, the idea was like the the color was getting sucked out of things. So you'd be going around the world and you'd be like, oh, there's a door with no color. I can't open it. I can hit it with my hammer, uh, which it was like a special paint hammer. And boom, like you restore the color to the door and it works. This game has a similar feature, but uh, whole, like holes have been ripped out of the world and like they're just bottomless pits. Because again, it's Paper Mario. Everything's sort of paper themed, right? So you have confetti. Uh, that you get from killing enemies or hitting trees and like confetti will, will fall you'll collect it and you could throw it and patch these holes up with the confetti so when you're out in the world it's sort of like it, there's like a collect-a-thon element to it 
So in each area, you can press start, go to the map, and it'll show you like how much percentage of the holes you've patched up, how many of the hidden toads you've found, uh, how many of the collectibles that uh, you know are hidden treasure chests have been found, and, and stuff like that. So that's super reward, like rewarding, and it feels good to to you know sort of see those things get checked off, find these things, and I will say finding the the toads is hilarious because they always have a really funny thing to say to you afterwards. Um, the the humor and the dialogue in this game is superb. So when you're adventuring out there, um, you're gonna find toads that are sort of hidden behind enemies, and, and not like literal, but like oh I gotta kill that enemy to get to that toad. So there are you know incentive they they incentivize you to do the battles to get rewards like that but essentially you could skip a bunch of the battles um you know as far as like traveling around the world of course there are boss battles and battles like you can't avoid but you know there are definitely battles you can avoid and there's really no reason to to jump into the, into those battles if you don't want to um you know, aside from just wanting to do the puzzles, like, you're not getting experience, like I said, you know, before, so you can definitely skip some battles, but what is cool is the boss battles sort of flip it on its head, so the normal battle, you're in the, the middle, and you're lining everything up, where the boss battles, the boss is in the middle, and you need to work your way to him and, and deal out damage, and the way that works is each ring has a bunch of different tiles on it, um, like, oh, that tile's gonna make me go left, and then I'm gonna run, oh, I'm gonna collect a heart, then I'm gonna hit an arrow that points me in, and I'm gonna go in one ring, and you need to work your way to the boss, but also, like, picking up an attack item, uh, or, you know, going over an attack block to be able to attack them, so, it's actually pretty fun, um, I'm enjoying those battles, because, again, you're timed, so, like, you need to sort of, you know, be hasty in your decisions, um, the game does allow you to buy more time with to- uh, with coins, uh, which actually works out well because there are a lot of coins in this game. So you know you could like, you know I need another thirty seconds to work this out, uh, and it's pretty easy to do. But I'm enjoying it so far. Uh, again, coming into it not thinking it's going to be an RPG, uh, I think if you go in with that mindset, you're not going to have a good time. <laughs> you know, like you're, it's just going to be something where you're like, well, this game isn't what I want. But if you go in with a more open mind. Um, the battles are fun, you know, the solving the puzzles, uh, they, they do have some challenge to them, the boss battles are, you know, are, like I said, sort of flip it on its head and it's a little different, uh, the game, like I said, the dialogue, the humor's on point for a Paper Mario game, the, visually the game is absolutely gorgeous, uh, you know, it, it they, just colors everywhere, vibrant colors, the different areas, I, I'm, uh, so essentially, what happens is, um, Peach's castle is like hijacked uh, and then like these streamers wrap it up and like you need to go like destroy the streamers um, to be able to get back to the castle so I'm on like on my way to finishing the second streamer and I think there are five give or take so you know I- I'm still relatively early in the journey I- I'm working through it but uh, yeah the-, the different areas I've been to are-, are drastically different the colors again are popping off the charts like super beautiful and um and so far like i said the characters i've met are 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 interesting they're funny and uh yeah i'm enjoying it but like i said de- definitely don't go into it thinking this is going to be some sort of like rpg that you hoped it would be 
I mean, I think I think Paper Mario, uh, maybe the the entire series now going forward, uh, especially the Origami King, is a, it's a lesson in expectation setting, right? Like, so expectations are really powerful, right? What you go into uh, a game, a movie, a book, thinking is really, really going to shape how you actually do feel about that, right? We prime ourselves based on what we hope that will be there, what we expect, what we think is going to happen next. Uh, and that's a, that's a, it, it's a, it's a little bit of a problem, you know, like it, it, I think we all have to kind of struggle with or, or, you know, work through that on our own. But yeah, if you, you can't be going into these Paper Mario games expecting an RPG anymore. And I don't even think you should be getting upset if they're not an RPG. That, that It's clearly just not what Nintendo is doing with this series anymore, right? Like we've seen that, you know, as far back as even, even Sticker Star, right? Like they, they were clearly going in a different direction with a focus on adventure and puzzle solving and collecting things right uh you know paper jam was like that too even though it had the rpg elements with the mario and luigi parts uh which you know seemed seemed to be like the more rpg focused series although with alpha dream shut down i don't know what's going to happen with that those games but uh, yeah, I think we just have to enjoy, you know, what what is here. And I think, Casey, you you mentioned some of these things uh, after. The, I mean, I'm not really interested in the puzzles and the battling, but I am really interested in the Origami King's world and the humor. The game just looks fantastic. Like, I love how colorful and bright it is. Uh, you know, people are always posting screenshots of, you know, funny dialogue and jokes that they found. And uh, whoever's been, you know, doing the writing and the localizing for this game, like, they really seem to have been able to take liberties and, you know, maybe uh, stretch you know what what the type of uh nintendo uh, writing or nintendo kind of brand that we would see uh you know the, some of the jokes seem pretty risque and more more adult themed i guess for lack of a better term and those things have enticed me about this game but uh yeah i mean i i am one of those people who do, does long for the rpg series you know hence being on an rpg focused podcast with david here uh and you casey of course um i i just i i, I it's a sucky thing about first party nintendo games like this game's not going to go on sale uh, unless a retailer Ever. puts it on sale or, <laughs> or if I can do some kind of like trade in promotion or maybe buy it from Craigslist or something. But again, like even even people on Craigslist don't sell these games for cheaper because they know Nintendo is not going to drop the price. So uh, th- this feels like a game I'd love to get at like half price or if we 40 percent off or something like that. But um, yeah, I, I just don't think I'm going to jump in now. I'm glad to hear that you're you're enjoying it. hope you continue to enjoy it. But I, I don't think it's for me. And uh, <laughs> I remember Paige was saying on, on Twitter, I don't know if she said it on the podcast but she uh had also tried the game uh for a total of three hours and then took advantage of a a retail promotion that allowed her to just uh return it if she didn't like it uh, eb games in canada has something like that uh, as well i don't know if gamestop does in the states uh but uh it is kind of a nice thing sometimes where you can just try a game almost like a free rental right and then if you don't like it return it i I've never actually taken advantage of one of those promotions, but I probably I probably should with games like this that are a little bit polarizing uh, and ones where I, maybe I feel like uh, the series has passed me by in a way. But yeah, again, I'm glad to hear you're enjoying it, Case. Really, really good music, I should point out as well. Hmm. But yeah, yeah I'm, I'm on the same boat as uh, Jordan with the, like, I'd love to play it, but not at 90 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, so, those damn Canadian that, prices, man. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's never going on sale, so there's uh, probably not gonna end up getting it uh, anytime soon. But um, I mean, like you said, for the people who who go in thinking it's or you know looking for a good action adventure or puzzle, looking for that humor, I, I'm glad that uh, the people who who got it are enjoying it, uh, like you. So. 
Yeah, no, I, I'd be happy to talk about decks sure. a little bit. Uh, we'll get back on the RPG train here, actually, after starting the game, starting the podcast <laughs> to non-RPGs. Um, so Dex is a 2D um, kind of uh, maybe action RPG. It's got a really heavy narrative slant to it. Uh, it reminds me of uh, cyberpunk. It's definitely like a cyberpunk kind of futuristic world. Uh, you play as the main character Dex, who is this girl who uh, she seems to have these kind of um, cybernetic or telekinetic abilities. Uh, she can basically like hack uh, hack people and uh, technology around her uh, and also, you know, hack computers and stuff like that, which enters a, a little mini game that you play, which is pretty challenging. Uh, the The story of the game is about, you know, you know as most cyberpunk uh, and Fallout type games are, you know, uh, corporations trying to take over the world or, you know, trying to um, ha- have more control of people's lives. And uh, you're you're out to kind of find out uh, what what certain company or uh, yeah, companies and corporations are up to in this world. I uh, it's something harbor. I don't. Um, I don't remember the name of the city that you're in, but um, it's got a cool kind of map that uh, expands as you uh, explore new areas around it. So it opens up. Uh, there is fast traveling, which is very nice. Uh, it's it's a pretty difficult game. At least it has a uh, the initial learning curve is very steep. Uh, there's no you can save uh, pretty much anywhere, I believe, but there's no. Um, there's no autosave, which I think it is a little bit of a, a lacking point there. It should have one. It's got checkpoints, but the, early on, they're not that generous. So I, I died a bunch at the beginning of the game, kind of just falling off of ledges or, you know, uh, the, the enemy, uh, the fights with enemies can be pretty tough until you level up a little bit. Um, yeah, it's it, it's a decent game. I've got a review for it up on Nintendo World Report. That's going up on the 24th, so you'll be able to check that out uh, when, when the podcast drops. Um, I ended up giving it a 7.5. You can read more of my thoughts there. Um, it's, it's got some cool RPG progression mechanics, though. Uh, so you get uh, experience points from uh, completing side quests, and it, it's really non-linear. You're not really pushed that far to do the main story quest. There's a lot of side stuff you can do, uh, and you probably should do, because leveling up uh, and getting new money to buy equipment and stuff uh, is very important for your success later on. Some of the uh, later enemies can be really tough, uh, and later th- these computer hacking, uh, they're almost like... Uh, arcade shooter sections with the when you hack into a computer those can be really difficult too if you haven't leveled up or or bought the right equipment uh, you really you want to you want to play the whole game with a bunch of healing items because uh, enemies do a lot of damage and uh, the combat's kind of uh, it's kind of stiff uh, it's not uh, definitely not the best part of the game um, what what is one of the better parts is all of the dialogue is voiced uh, so all of the NPCs you talk to uh, your character, uh, the, uh, the main characters you meet, everybody is voice. There is a lot of reading uh, with uh, reading emails and things like that to kind of find out what's going on in the world uh, and complete side quests. You you know, you kind of take information from one place and deliver it somewhere else. Uh, so that is definitely part of it. Um, but yeah, the side quests are a highlight. You get them for kind of from everybody. It helps you uh, helps flesh out the world. You learn about the different NPCs and uh, you'll open up new kind of um, uh perks from them or that maybe they'll cut you a discount on things in their shops or give you items and things like that um yeah uh so yeah i was saying the progression mechanics are really good you 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 have kind of like skill tree type uh type skill point assigning uh so you can you know you can increase your endurance your your melee skills uh your hacking uh your your ability to persuade people in dialogue or to reduce the shop prices in shops uh there's a lot of different ways you can kind of build out the character um, and as you uh, upgrade, as you assign skill points, uh, not only do your stats go up, but you can also learn uh, new abilities, like new new combat moves, like um, you know being able to throw a flurry of punches or do uh, kind of a, a, a leg sweep type kick, uh, which can be really helpful. 
Um, uh, there's gunplay in the game as well. Again, it's not not a highlight. None of the action parts are really a highlight. Um, but uh, exploring the world of decks and going to the different areas and completing side quests uh, is definitely a highlight. There's a lot of kind of you know places where you're trying to sneak in or do do things in a stealthy kind of way. Uh, maybe uh, finding out uh, where uh, a stash of drugs is or finding out where uh, the hideout is for a particular gang, uh, trailing them and uh, you know, eventually. Uh, uh, apprehending them or shutting down their operation or things like that. So yeah, a lot of fun kind of side missions to do, and it's, it's a pretty good game. It runs well. Um, the uh, the end of the game, there's some a uh, few different endings you can get as well. Uh, although they're not they're not all that fleshed out, but there is some choice you have at the end of how things play out. Um, even even before the ending sequence, there's a I think there's other decisions you can make uh, that can kind of take the story in a few different directions. So the branching paths adds a nice little bit of variety as well, and uh, you can you can kind of go back in and uh, try out different uh, different different paths. Um, yeah, Dex is a pretty fun game. Uh, I'm not sure uh, it came to PC uh, maybe a number of years ago and other other consoles as well, but it's just coming to Switch for the first time. Um, I don't know if this is a game either of you have come across before. No, this is really the first time I've actually heard of it. So it sounds pretty interesting. Mm. I like the the branching paths. Um, uh, To me, that's always cool, right? Because everyone's experience Mm -hmm. is a little bit different, you know? And, you know, that was one of the, you know, to sort of bounce it back to like Breath of the Wild, what was so cool about that game, for me at least, I mean, there's a lot of cool about it, but it was like, Everyone's experience was so experience was so different. I mean, I don't know. It, I don't think this game sounds like it's quite to that point. But having the branching, you know, sort of paths is always something sort of cool to me. For sure. Yeah. It's. I mean, it, it's a game that really does prize or emphasize non-linearity it doesn't really want you to rush through the main story it wants you to take your time explore the world talk to people get quests from people from talking to them uh go through different kind of dialogue choices with them and and just see where it takes you Uh, i think even the side quests like you can return uh to different quest givers to you know solve quests in different ways and get different different rewards from that or different uh endings to their storylines so that's kind of neat um if you take there's a lot of reading and the, the text is really small which kind of sucks so uh, i was happy that uh the, the npcs do talk to you because then you don't really need to uh, uh to read any of the dialogue you can just go with what they're saying uh but if you're reading emails to try to figure out you know where to go next or uh who you're trying to blackmail or who you're trying to uh, uh give information to that can be a little bit bothersome um so maybe i was hoping they would maybe they'll patch that at some point i don't know but uh yeah it's a pretty fun game check it out especially if you like you know, kind of the cyberpunk detective noir type stories or settings uh that might be up your alley uh just be just be aware that they begin the beginning of the game starts off pretty tough uh it does get a little bit easier as you gain uh, more money and access to healing items uh that let you kind of stay in combat longer and um, the, the checkpoints, I think, become a little bit more generous later on, too. So, uh, yeah, Dex, fun game. I uh, do recommend it. Uh, yes, I think I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. Um, uh, give that one a look. You can check out, like I said, check out the full review on uh, nwr.com. Uh, it's, it should be, it's going to be up very soon. So. I just uh, found Dex on um, the Kickstarter. It was originally uh, funded by Kickstarter and. Uh, Learned that the that it was originally developed for the Ouya. <laughs> oh, really? No kidding. Yeah, the Ouya. It was developed for the Ouya, and then it was going to have a later release on Steam and the Wii U. Mm. Good old Wii so, U. So it it must have got it must have gotten a release on Steam at some point. Yeah. Like I said, I think I think it's been been on Steam for yeah, a number think of years. Twenty fourteen but... is when it hit Ouya, um, as an early access title and. 
Yeah, I don't I don't think it was that much longer um afterwards that it ended up um Steam would have been the first uh so the full version worldwide release was in 2015 for okay. Steam and then it hit Vita in 2016, Xbox 1 uh 2016, PlayStation 4 in 2016 and now it's on Switch. Yeah, so you can definitely play this game anywhere. I think I think the Switch is a good place for it. Um, it, it, it again, it does play well in portable mode. It's just the the font is a little bit small. So if you're if you're averse to uh, you know um, smaller font sizes in games, especially on a handheld screen, uh, you may want to play it in TV mode or uh, look for a different uh, console version that could be uh, maybe a little bit cheaper. Has gone on sale. It's a funny thing. I hadn't really heard about this game until it came to Switch. So I think I feel like it's definitely flown under the radar. Uh, even even being a Kickstarter game, and maybe because it was a Kickstarter game, I don't know. But maybe it's just the fact that it was connected to the Ouya at some point. <laughs> everyone just dismissed it after that. I don't know. But it's decent. It's it's not it's not one you want to uh, just kind of throw away. It's it's a fun game. Cool. Definitely only playable on one console. I finally uh, finished uh, The Last of Us 2. So, uh, definitely not the Ouya. <laughs> the Ouya is not that console no, where you can the play Ouya's this. Not play this. My PlayStation 4 could barely play this. This is, uh, yeah. yeah, it's a pretty advanced game. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those, it's, one of those things where it's it's almost hard to explain how the experience went. Like there was times where I was enjoying myself. There were times where it felt like an absolute slog and wish it would all end, and that my PlayStation would just explode to put me out of my misery. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, by the end, I uh, like I feel pretty good about. It. I'm glad I got it. I I think it was worth playing. Uh, I find the conversation around the game is almost as interesting as the game itself uh i've uh, had a few people like uh my brother's actually playing it having conversations with him is pretty funny um conversations with some people on twitter about it um and my perspective as someone who didn't play the first game who played the second game is is uh, very much different from people who have played the first one uh my brother accused me of not understanding the game <laughs> since i never played the first one so we had a we, we had a bit of a tussle over that, but um, yeah, it's just I guess uh, so. Just to to quickly bring people up to speed, the first game, uh, The Last of Us, was about Joel and Ellie, and uh, so Joel, um, I believe he was a smuggler in the first game, and uh, what his family, wife and daughter, were uh, murdered by some paramilitary group. Uh, he comes across Ellie, who uh, they discover is. Um, immune from the infection that's turning uh, people into zombie-like uh, things throughout the world. And uh, there's this group called the Fireflies uh, that are based in Washington who 
have um, there's a doctor there who is able to uh, has has told Joel or Joel had found out in some way that they could develop a vaccine from from Ellie um, since she's uh, immune to it. So the the game is basically the the two of them trying to get to this hospital in in Washington. And um, so when you eventually get there, uh, they they tell Joel that uh, they'll have to kill Ellie and able and, and to be able to develop a vaccine. And it's it's at that point that Joel decides that uh, he'd rather Ellie live, so he ends up killing the fireflies <laughs> that are like the scientists and that are there to to save Ellie. And I guess the game, I'm assuming the game ends in with the two of them ending up in Wyoming. Um, like uh, like I said, I hadn't actually played the first game, but I just read like the plot and everything. So, so that brings us up to the second game, which I'm playing and, um, it picks up, uh, I guess if, if you plan on playing this game, uh, I, I might get in, I'm probably going to get into a bit of a spoilers here. So you might want to skip ahead to the next one. If yeah, you don't want to hear the spoilers. You might want to edit in. I mean, I know it's a super old game, but like <laughs> spoilers for the first one too. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So. Um, so yeah, so the, uh, the second one picks up, uh, with Ellie and Joel living, um, in the Wyoming, uh, there, there's this, like, uh, village of people where they've got, uh, they're pre- more or less got, like, walls around the vi- the town, and they, uh, Ellie and Joel are part of a team of people that go around patrolling the surrounding areas to make sure that, uh, any infected that come by are, are dealt with before they become a problem, and, um, we learn that there's this group of ex-fireflies, uh, who are hunting down Joel. And in the first hour, uh, the, the hero from the first game is, is killed off, uh, in the second game. So, um, ev- everyone who is looking forward to playing as Joel again, uh, quickly discovers that, uh, that you will not be playing as Joel because he's brutally, uh, tortured and murdered in front of Ellie. <laughs> so it's a pretty gruesome scene. And this is done by the, um, uh, one of the main characters of the game, uh, Abby. So, um, so the game, so Abby's part of, she's, so she's part of this group of ex fireflies that hunt him down. And then after they killed Joel, they, they leave Ellie alive, even though they had her captured and they, they head back to Seattle where they're based. And, Ellie decides that uh, that they, they must be punished for this wrongdoing, um, and she heads off to Seattle to hunt down Abby to exact her revenge. So the, I'd say the first half of the game, the first 10 to 12 hours or so, 15 hours maybe, are you playing as Ellie uh, traveling to Seattle and hunting down Abby. So you, you get to Seattle and um, you learn that the, the the group of people that she's with now, the uh, Western Liberation Front, or Wolves, as they're called in the game, um, you you track down one of the the party members that that had uh, killed Joel, and she's basically like just going through each like one leads to the next, which leads to the next, and she's systematically killing all these people, trying to get to Abby, uh, and then the it, it happens over the span of three days and at the end of the third day uh she never she actually ends up killing everyone but abby and um heads back to this like little base that they have set up in a a movie theater and the ellie's playthrough um ends with uh abby uh finding her in the theater and and they're like basically the guns face to face or whatever and then what ends up happening is that um 
you play this the second half of the game as Abby, and it just rolls back to the the fir- the same three days. So you're you're living through um, mm. Abby what Abby's doing for those three days. That's sort of um, cool. Hmm. Yeah, so it's yeah, I like things like that. I like that. I like that mechanic in games. I think it's underused actually, but seeing from multiple perspectives. Is always yeah, cool. so you you see what's happening like through Ellie's eyes, and then you see what's happening through Abby's eyes, and when like by the time you get you meet back up to where it cut back in the movie theater. Um, you really understand like they're not that much different of people. Like they kind of go through the same character art. Uh, you know, they, they have the same, um, they go through the same kind of loss like Abby. Cause what you end up discovering is that the lead scientist that, uh, that was supposed to come up with the vaccine was actually Abby's father. So that that was the whole reason for wanting the revenge was that, um, you know, Joel had killed Abby's father, so Abby's been tracking her down, tracking him down, and and now it's led to you know uh, uh, the same cycle where now Abby is the one that's killed the the father figure to Ellie, and so she's trying to track her down, and um, but they're, they they go through even as they're going through the these similar cycles, you can tell that. Abby is learning from it where Ellie is not. Mm. And, uh, and so you, you end up coming back to the, when you get back to the movie theater, um, it's, it's funny that the boss fight in the movie theater is you playing as Abby and Ellie is the, the, the villain. (laughs) So, so you end up, uh, playing as Abby and, and you, you get the drop on Ellie and you have, you're you're in a position to kill Ellie, but Abby decides to to you know let her go free. So uh, Abby ends up going back, or sorry, Ellie ends up going back to the uh, to the Wyoming where where she was living with with her with her girlfriend, and they actually have like a kid and everything. And um, some time goes by, I can't remember. I think it was a couple years, and uh, and what ends up happening is Ellie finds out. Abby's new location and decides that even though she has this happy life uh, ahead of her, she's, you know, she's with her spouse. She's got a kid. She leaves it all behind because Abby, Abby just has to die, you know? So I actually thought that was the end of the game until I realized that it kept on going. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so what, so what ends up happening is that um, uh, you play a little bit more as Abby and she ends up getting, um, so she has a, kind of a child um fig- like it's very detailed what ends up happening but she has like a a, a person that she's traveling with that's kind of like the ch- a child to her almost uh and they end up getting captured by uh, slave traders and oh, uh yeah so in 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 california so um she set off to california to to find what she believes that there's ex fireflies in california so she sets off down there but she uh, unfortunately runs into slave traders and uh is been captured along with with her uh, compatriot there and uh so then you take over as ellie again um traveling down to california to track abby down and so ellie runs into these slave traders uh ends up uh, killing a lot of them and and causing um uh, a prison break for the for the rest of the people that are captured there and um when she gets there the 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 rest of the people that are captured um tell uh, tell ellie that abby's actually like tied up um on a post to to be left to die (laughs) 
so when Ellie finally catches up to Abby, there like there's like there's basically nothing left to Abby. She's like a a husk of what she was before. Like she's she's uh, malnourished. She's uh, you know prop. She's hanging from a from a post uh, on the on the verge of dying and. So Ellie cuts her down and Abby's friend is on a post next to her. So Abby cuts her down and Abby leads Ellie to these boats so that they can finally be free of the slave traders. And and Ellie decides that Abby can't live. So the, the final, final battle is this um, bare knuckle f- fight between Abby and Ellie. But like both characters are on the verge of death. So the fight is, is like a, sl- <laughs> a strange one because they're because they can neither of them can really stand <laughs> like. Yeah, it's and just like fighting who in the... can survive. Yeah, Try, just stand up, yeah. just breathe. Yeah, and they're fighting in the water, and so so it's it, it gets to the point where um, Ellie Ellie's got the upper hand, and she can drown Abby, but she she just can't fi- finish it. So she lets Abby leave with uh, with her friend, and and that's kind of that's it. Like that's that's the end. Ellie ends up going back to Wyoming again to find out that uh, her her partner and kid are not there anymore that they they left and Ellie the game ends with with Ellie having nothing <laughs> um so I mean right, my take yeah exactly well that was my that was exactly the the feeling I had is that uh, you know uh, I jokingly tweeted about uh, the endearing characters were all of the the the, the so-called villains of the game like the the Abby and the two two people that uh, she was trying to protect throughout the game, and uh, the spouse of Ellie is, is really uh, endearing as well. Mm. Um, she puts up with a lot of Ellie's crap and tried to try did her best to stay to stay at her side. But the you know when Ellie left left them behind, they made the right decision to move on without her. But um, yeah, I just I like I said I was telling people that I thought the villains of the series were really Joel and Ellie that they. They made the wrong decisions. Like Joel made the wrong deci- made a selfish decision to keep Abby alive when he could have like saved humanity. <laughs> basically, uh, Ellie kept making the wrong decisions. Like there was three separate times where she was her life was provide like she was given a new lease on life. Like there was three times Ellie should have been dead and the the people let her live and she never never took like she it just kept she kept pushing like like she, she should have just called it quits when she had her fam and everything going well. Exactly, and I, and so to me, it 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 just showed like the stubbornness of Ellie, and it just it there was a you know, Abby had the had the same beginning to her life. Like she was young, she lost her father. Uh, I mean, she did get her revenge on Joel. I guess that's the difference between Abby and Ellie. Um, but to me, <laughs> like Abby learned how to live, and, and that's how she want and she, you know was done with with the the fighting and just wanted to. Uh, to set up shop somewhere and and be happy, but Ellie ne- just could never got there. So, um, yeah. So, but I, I I guess, and what my brother uh, kept telling me was that because the people who played the first game they had the emotional attachment to Joel and Ellie, so I guess they wanted them to be the heroes, or they yeah no they it, still like it makes sense know. right yeah if you if you went through this whole adventure from their point of view the entire time. Because I would say in the first game, like, it, it, I mean, I haven't played the second one, but just hearing you talk about it, it seems very much, yeah, it's like just a, a revenge plot, essentially, right? Like, obviously, Joel's killed, 
Ellie's going to go out and try and get her her crumpets, you know, like I'm going to go murder whoever I need to. Where the first one was really more about, you know, like, hey, we got to get here to try and save humanity. And, you know, we run into shitty people along the way and and the clickers and, and the zombies, you know, like all, all those things sort of come into play. And, and at the end of the day, like they're in situations where they're more favorable pretty much up till the end where, yeah, Joel makes the very selfish decision uh, to to carry on with his life with, you know, the person he's now, like I said, sort of father-daughter relationship, like he loves her, you know, like I'm not going to let her die. And like that's really the first, from what I can remember, I mean, I don't remember the f- everything, but like I don't remember any other points where it would be like, mm, like why they do that, like that was a real bad decision, you know, where this game seems, yeah, more like, hey... If you came in like like you did, where you didn't see that first act of the game, where they're painted in a better light, you know, yeah, it's like, man, what a bunch of douchebags, you know, where, you know, <laughs> when you have those feelings, it's like, no, like, I understand where she's coming from, because I love Joel, too, you know, I, I saw their relationship, yeah. I-, I know why she's doing this, where, yeah, you're more like, well, yeah, I saw that guy for a little bit, like, he, all right, he seemed okay, but like, yeah, like, she's crazy, you know. Yeah, and, like, she ends up causing the demise of, like, other characters, too, and it's, it just seemed like, uh, there was so much, like, the, Joel and Ellie were basically the most selfish characters in the series, to me, like, looking at it from my perspective. Um, certainly there was, some of the other characters didn't make great choices either, but for the most part, uh, I felt like a lot of the other characters, I guess that's the other argument I kept getting was, is that, um, they kept like people would say, "Oh, well, there's no good characters in that game," and I'm like, mm, "I don't know." I thought Dina did like the the partner to Ellie, like she. There was no poor decisions she made per se. Like the uh, Just I guess Ellie. the only decision, <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess like following Ellie was pretty much the only bad decision she made, I suppose. But because she really stayed by Ellie's side the whole time, um, you know, tried to keep her keep her home when the second time around and so and then to me it's like uh she shouldn't have waited for ellie to come back either because i you just assume that ellie wouldn't be coming back so it's so i mean that that seems fair and then um i think abby started off poorly but after she she met the the two kids that she ended up trying to save uh, i felt like she was at least trying to do the right thing maybe uh, you know, her, it was more of a, her past came back to haunt her sort of thing, but I'm, at least she was trying to do the right thing. And that the same with the, uh, the two, the two characters that she ends up meeting and befriending and stuff. Like, I don't know. It's just, it, it, like I said, it, I think there's a lot of interesting dialogue and, and conversation that goes on along the game. Um, the game itself, I thought was well-designed, uh, like a lot of RPG mechanics, like there's, uh, kind of a progression system of, of abilities through um, the collection of certain items. Uh, like the gun, all the weapons can be upgraded. Uh, like I said, abilities can be learned. Um, so there's a lot of RPG elements. It's a very linear, linear. Um, there's a lot of open world areas and exploration that you can do, but the story itself is pretty linear because uh, there it's very, it's very scripted cinematic experience that they're trying to, to per- perceive or, show off there um a little more gruesome than i'm used to playing and probably like 
I don't, I don't, it's hard to say if I'd have known how much it was, if I'd still played, like, cause it was still a worthwhile experience, but it's, I guess it's just like one of those things where, um, it's kind of the same with movies. It's just like, I've only got so much time to play so many games and, and to play something with so much misery in it, <laughs> uh, just, just felt exhausting. Yeah. You generally speaking, right. People come to video games to sort of escape from real world BS and, and have fun and enjoyment. <laughs> yeah. And meanwhile, David's like, let me take a break from my day to go watch this suffering and misery. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's right. <laughs> I mean, it's a funny game to launch at this time where, like, you know, everyone is feeling, you know, pretty down about what's going on in the world, I think. You know, there's, you know, protests all over the United States and uh, in other parts of the world, too. Like, really, in a lot of ways, society is struggling mightily to kind of just hold itself together. And then to play a game like this where things have crumbled and you're dealing with, yeah, brutality and, and 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 violence and things like that. Like, yeah, it might be mirroring parts of the world right now, but it's not necessarily that that escapism that we're looking for, you know, compared to something or, like yeah, Animal Mario, <laughs> which is so incredibly yeah. bright and cheerful, or Animal Crossing. Those are true escapes, you know, from from the pandemic and from other other social uh, issues that are going on right now. So it, it, it's funny. Like, it's I don't know if it's a bad time for the game or if it plays into it i don't know but yeah it, it sounds like um you uh you really uh, took up took a plunge on that one david and i'm glad i'm glad to hear more about the story like i i was kind of interested in how it was going to go and it sounds sounds like an interesting one i just i just don't know if the gameplay uh for me is worth getting to that point like i'm kind of just happy with the, a synopsis like you provided frankly yeah it's it's a tough tough one to recommend like because like I said, I, I at the at the end I felt like the experience was worthwhile. I don't know if I felt that way all the time while I was playing. Like there was definitely times where I'm like, why won't this end? <laughs> please, please let <laughs> please, let my misery end. Like like there's there's a few spots where uh, you you just exhausted. Like you get out of an area just mentally exhausted, and sometimes I would just like turn the game off because I was just done. Or I would get to the net, yeah. like get through this pouring so exhausted. And then I get like f- two minutes later, I'm in a very similar situation. And I'm like, oh, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> it's just, it, it, it is a mentally exhausting game, I guess would be the way to put it. Um, so yeah. it's, I mean, if, if, if it's up, if that's the sort of thing you're, you enjoy, I guess. But if, like, if you don't want the, uh, like it is a downer of a, <laughs> of a story i guess like there there there's no real happy ending per se so yeah it's uh yeah it's yeah i, I don't know <laughs> it is what it it's is it's a good yep. game it's well designed but yeah it is what it is so so i i did have one more game to talk about but i think that uh i, th- I think we've you know uh, talked a lot about these these four games. It might be a good point to uh, to jump to last call. I, I the other game I was going to talk about is called Not Tonight, uh, Take Back Control Edition. It's very similar to Papers Please. I haven't played very much of it. Uh, it's on sale on the eShop for like ninety percent off right now. So uh, if, if it you know, if Papers Please was a game that you played on uh, on PC and you enjoyed that, I'm not sure where else you can play Papers Please. I, I, it should come to Switch at some point, I think. But um, yeah, it's kind of a game where you're like checking i you're at least most of it you're like checking IDs and uh, letting people into clubs or restaurants and things like that. And uh, there is some progression and some you you can earn money and there's a, an overarching story where uh, the person you're playing as is kind of like um, I think they're being treated kind of as an immigrant in the UK even if they're born there and 
Um, there's some definitely some political statements from the game, but I think that's the whole point of it. Uh, it's supposed to be related to or maybe uh, released around the time when Brexit was um, uh, maybe more of a, an, a talking point uh, in the news. Um, but yeah, uh, check it out if you're if you're interested. I, I, I'm, I'm going to put in a few more hours. This is the last call for alcohol. Xbox, as of the recording, the Xbox uh, presentation is coming out, and yeah, we could talk about uh, what we think uh, will be shown and what we would like to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll start, because I suggested that. Um, I, I mean, I've never been a, a huge Xbox enthusiast. Like, I had a 360, I have an Xbox One. It is not currently hooked up. Uh, my 360 didn't get a lot of play. Uh, af- so I bought it uh, when Halo 3 came out. I uh, really enjoyed that. Uh, the four-person with split-screen multiplayer especially um, played games like Rock Band and Band Hero on that. Uh, but once I got it, and uh, Mass Effect uh, 1 and 2, obviously. Um, when PS3 came out, though, uh, I kind of moved over to that system entirely and started playing uh i ended up finishing the mass effect trilogy on that system um uh, and a lot of other games on, on ps3 as well uh demon souls dark Souls, stuff like that um I, I i'm excited about this event tomorrow uh because i really am curious about what's going to happen with halo i i feel like Halo is one of those games that could sell me on a console, right? Like, it, it sold me on my 360. Um, the original Halo, I ended up playing it on PC, but I was instantly kind of hooked into that series from that point and really kind of following it and seeing what the next games were going to look like. Um, uh, so, yeah, the Halo Infinite, I, I don't know if it's going to be... Uh, I, I've heard it's going to be a continuation of 5, uh, so rather than a reboot of the series, which I think some people were hoping for, it might just be a continuation. Some of the uh, the images we've seen or the marketing material might suggest it's more open world or that it is kind of going back to its roots, maybe in terms of gameplay or uh, environments or something like that. I don't know, but... Uh, I'm very excited for Halo Infinite. Uh, I think it is going to be a launch title for the Xbox Series X. I can't imagine that they would launch without Halo Infinite. Maybe maybe in the launch window, but very close to uh, the Series X launch, which I think is going to be in November. Um, uh, my Yeah, I, I guess my hope is that it's closer to the first three games and uh, further away. So the, those are the Bungie-developed games, I believe. Um, and then ODST and Reach, I think, were Bungie as well, uh, with Halo 4 and 5 being developed by, is it one 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 seven Studios? Something or, like that, yeah. Uh, I can't remember the name. Yeah, something like that. It's, it's a series <laughs> of three numbers. <laughs> uh, and I, yeah, I didn't like those games as much. I, I don't know what it was. Um, just, they just didn't feel the, feel the same as the, the, original, uh, the original games from Bungie. So uh, I'm hoping they go back to their roots in some ways, uh, but I am really excited to see what's going to happen with that. Um, maybe I'll, I'll kick it off to one of you guys before I come back with, uh, maybe some predictions for what I yeah, think is I guess for tomorrow. me, um, I owned a 360 at one point. I remember, I, I believe it was Gears of War that was sort of, uh, what did me in there. And I, mm. and it's so funny thinking back to this time, cause it was also when, um, the HD DVD player was coming out with it. 
And I remember, oh baby, I remember go, I was go, like, man, go. I'm gonna get a 360. I'm gonna get that HD DVD player, baby. I'm gonna be living the freaking life. Yep. I thank yep. God I never got the HD DVD yep. player. Um, but I but I did get the 360, and <laughs> nice. honestly, it was just one of those like I played it, you know, like I, I played Gears of War in there, you know, Call of Duties and stuff, uh, sports games, and and all the jazz. But ultimately, it ended up being more my brother's console than my console at the end of the day, um, despite me buying it. But because again, I, I would just go back and be like, hey, I'm just gonna play, you know, my Nintendo games and stuff. So. Uh, don't have an Xbox One. I, I had a PS4 for a bit. Sold it. Uh, you know, I, I plan on getting a PS5. I, like I want the like I want to want the I want to want the Xbox Series X, but ultimately it, it's probably not going to be something I get. You know, I've I've played some, some Halo multiplayer over the years, but I've never you know, never like really played it, and I certainly have never played any of the single player campaigns or anything. So I know, and I know those are really, you know, obviously highly regarded, so it would probably be something, you know, that would be fun to play, but ultimately, I'm excited to sort of just check out what they have to offer. Like, I want them to kick ass, you know what I mean? Like, I want them to be amazing, like, I want them to sort of push Sony, you know, I don't want them to sort of, like, oh, well, we, you know, PS4, we mopped it up, and we're gonna just mop it up again, because obviously, complacency is a bad thing for anyone, right? We we want, you know, uh, what do they say? Uh, iron sharpens iron, right? So I want everyone to be doing well in the video game space. Uh, and, and I just, I guess for my predictions or, or more so really my hopes is that we see something new. Like, of course, Halo is going to be cool to see, but give me a new IP that's just freaking awesome looking, you know? I don't expect any JRPGs or anything of that extent, you know, but like give us a cool new IP that that makes me go like, hmm, like maybe I should consider this, you know, even though most of those games are going to be coming out on, um, you know, PC as well, which sort of helps, uh, you know, sort of curb getting a, a Series X at the end of the day. But uh, but yeah, I just like I said, I just hope they come out, they, they kick butt. And you know what? I want a release date and a price for Pete's sake. Like, like when Sony, like you pansies, come on. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think we're going to get a, uh, just a jump in for you. Go David. I don't think we're going to get a price or a release date just because they, it seems to be focusing on games tomorrow. It's called the G- Xbox mm. games showcase. And I believe there was a tweet or, um, uh, some kind of messaging somewhere, uh, that suggested there wouldn't be any hardware reveals. Uh, and th- that makes me think, A, they're not going to show off the presumably kind of like the lesser model. Uh, I I, th- I can't remember the code name for it, but there's the Series X and then there's going to be another series console, which is the uh, the maybe the more budget friendly one. Um, I don't think we're going to see that. And I, I, yeah, just just thinking that they're going to focus on games. I don't know that there's going to be a lot of dates thrown around tomorrow. I'd love to be wrong. I do want to know um, what the price of this console is going to be, because that'll give us a little bit of an indication of what. The PS5 They're is playing be, chicken, these two. Right? They're but, like, nope, um, we're going to see who pulls first. <laughs> yeah, the, for sure. And I, I, I've heard, you know, Sony was going to go first. I thought the pre-orders for the PS5 were supposed to go up really, really uh, recently, uh, but that didn't happen for whatever reason. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But uh, David, what are you hoping for? What do you think is going to happen tomorrow? Um, well, I'm sure we're going to... I don't know how many new games we're going to find out about. Like, I'm curious. 
curious if we'll just see a lot of information about games that we kind of knew were were in development. Like the ones I'm uh, interested in are um, like the one like Wasteland Three from In Exile, or um, mm-hmm. just find out what Obsidian is working on. Like th- those are the what I'm kind of would like to know. Like I, especially Obsidian, because after uh you know they just had outer worlds which was okay like i i didn't get into it too much but they've got a few other games that, uh, that are interesting like pillars of eternity and mm-hmm. um if they ever went back to anything star wars related which i guess they wouldn't because ea must have the license for that at this point but um yeah those those are the things i'd like to see i was the the thing that confuses me the most with xbox is like that when phil spencer there said that um, they were not going to have any games that were exclusive to the Series X uh, for years and years. And th- th- that kind of just... Uh, I wasn't really thinking of getting a Series X anyway because I'm uh, on the PS5 bandwagon as well. But any shred of... Um, like, I just have no interest anymore. Like, the, the, the small shred of interest I had in the system completely disappeared when they said that there'd be no exclusives because <laughs> it's like well mm-hmm. why would i shell out the money for that system if if it's not like if i could just play it on either an xbox one or a pc I, I, like it did like the strategy mm-hmm. doesn't make sense to me like i have a pc that's good enough well that's to the play case, any of though. those games if you don't have the pc so, that's good enough the the series x would be cheaper you know presumably if it's four or five hundred bucks yeah. you know a, a high-end pc yeah. is going to run you you know, eight to a thousand plus, you know, so it might actually be cheaper if you don't have that PC already on hand, you know? Yeah. Other than my PC does other things too. Like the series X is just going to play games. Yeah. Whereas I can pay about the same amount of money for the same quality of gaming. And, and not only do I have access to doing other things, but I would also have access to steam games which are generally cheaper than the Xbox games. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's just it's just a weird place they put themselves in. Like I know their I think their big thing is the backwards compatibility. Um, but I can't say there's any old Xbox games I'm all that interested in playing. Yeah, it'd be like so, Master like, Chief Collection if like to, you know what I mean, would be something I would be interested in, but but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, like, I had an Xbox 360 as well, and that's uh, really, like, the only connection I even have to Xbox <laughs> is that, uh, like, I had some good times back then, and it it, it ended up, um, that experience made me buy the Xbox One before a PS4, but after I traded my Xbox One for the PS4, like, I have no regrets whatsoever, <laughs> and I w- would never, n- never, like, go back or anything like I and if anything it just kind of solidified man I should have got the PS5 or PS4 first and not bothered with the Xbox one but I don't know it's a weird strategy in my eyes it just I, I know they're big pushes like game pass and I, it'd be pretty cool if all the games that they're announcing tomorrow are all within the game pass um, because I'll certainly keep paying that eight bucks a month on my PC to play these like $90 games whenever I want, but <laughs> I like, I, I just don't see myself even considering getting a series X at this point. 
I mean, I think the so I'll yeah I'll wrap up here with some a couple of predictions and uh, just some other thoughts. I uh, I haven't gotten into Game Pass yet. I do think it's very interesting. I think that the value of that service continues to increase and will only get better with time. Uh, I don't I don't like playing games on my PC really. Like I, I want to be in my recliner with my 55 inch 4K TV kicking back not the not sitting at the same chair using the same monitor uh same keyboard and mouse that i do for work right like and with with so much of the uh i mean I, I was already working on my desktop uh, a fair bit before the pandemic but now that i'm working from home and we found out that uh you know uh so even when i go back to work in the spring we're still going to be online teaching and maybe longer than that right we don't know how long this thing is going to continue um but i've just never really for for a while now i've been kind of away from pc gaming um probably ever since i quit playing league of legends uh i i've really moved away from uh kind of keeping the pc separate for like work and for like youtube and stuff like that uh and writing and then i'm i'm if i'm you know doing entertainment like gaming like that's on my tv that's on my consoles or yeah holding on to my switch and handheld mode which i which I love. Uh, I, get, I just can't be glued to a PC for uh, hours and hours and on end playing games because I'm already glued to my PC for work and for other things like that. So um, I guess that, that's for me one of the reasons why the Xbox Series X could be something that I pick up if some of the games really uh, show well tomorrow. So yeah, so I mentioned Halo Infinite. Uh, I, I, I'm i guessing, uh, so one of my predictions that they'll talk about Fable 4 uh, or a, uh, some kind of uh, game in the fable universe i think it's been a long time uh since fable 3 uh there were rumors about uh molyneux working on a fable 4 uh i think it was lionhead studios might have been the ones that were working on that i don't know if that's still happening but you know fable i think is a, a one of those flagship uh x uh, series that people think about or associate with xbox so i think if you're launching a new console uh you then there was not a fable game on xbox one i think it's time for that series to come back so i would not be surprised to see a fable Fable game uh, announced tomorrow. I guess you know, when you, when this podcast goes live, yeah, we'll know if I was right or wrong. But uh, they they certainly are. Um, I Casey, you said you weren't expecting any Japanese role playing games uh, or maybe traditional RPGs. I. I might take the opposite side there. I think that Xbox has to expand its offerings. It can't just be the same things that it's been. They've been acquiring studios. I think they've been trying to make a push to have a more diverse lineup. Um, So it would not surprise me for them to, uh, if not have a obviously nothing is exclusive to them but if they had something in the microsoft ecosystem um yeah sure playable on pc playable on uh, original xbox one x uh but some maybe they're put doing the marketing for uh, a larger rpg that's going to be just for them or it's going to be a there's a third party game that's coming to sony as well but maybe there's some it's going to be on xbox first for some timed exclusivity or they're just pushing the marketing really hard i I wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised to see uh, a larger japanese RPG push tomorrow and so the prediction I will make is that we will see Elden Ring tomorrow uh, that's the FromSoft collaboration with George R.R. R. Martin I think there is some crossover between Game of Thrones fans and Xbox fans uh, so I could see that game showing up on Xbox even if it's going to be multi-plat 
Um, they might want to get a jump on the marketing. Maybe there's some deal where Xbox is kind of, yeah, at the forefront of pushing that game and pushing sales of that game. So uh, I'll, I'll predict that Elden Ring is going to show up. And the reason I'm doing that is because of the uh, PlayStation games event we saw a couple weeks ago, uh, Blue Point was revealed as doing a remake of Demon Souls, which uh, is uh, obviously a, a Soulsborne type game. So they have already revealed their that game that's coming from that genre to PlayStation. So I could see Xbox jumping out ahead with okay we want a souls game which are you know i think they're seeing more yeah, japanese action role-playing games you know they if i have that japanese style to them i could see that being shown tomorrow or at least teased a little bit more uh we haven't really haven't seen any gameplay of that game uh i think it's been it's been obviously been a few years since uh since we at least a year since we uh, the game was first revealed i think it was last e3 so maybe it's time to show a little bit more of that one uh, so I'll predict that Elden Ring shows up tomorrow as well. Um, yeah, I, I'm just hoping to see you know, some some of these uh, newer, newer games, not necessarily uh, just old series like Halo and Fable, but show me something new. Show me some more variety. Like at the, the PlayStation event, again, all the games are really dour and dark and violent. And David and I were talking about that. Like the theme was all kind of in one mature adult place right like it wasn't there wasn't a lot of uh you know adventure type games or puzzle type games or, or platformers it was all kind of the same so uh yeah i'd like to see uh, also just some a little bit more variety and breadth in the catalog um it sounds like the show is going to be you know multiple i think there's a pre-show it's like an hour long and then the show itself might be at least an hour so they've got a lot of time to show games and talk about them um I don't, I don't want them to just stand on, you know, I guess it's not, not a stage, but, you know, just, I don't want to see a lot of talking heads. I don't want to see a lot of people's faces, you know, no offense to the presenters and things like that. I want to see uh, gameplay. I want to see announcements. I want, I want new things. Give me a reason to uh, potentially have uh, an Xbox Series X and a PS5 at some point. You know, I, I adopted Xbox One very, very late. Uh, I only did that because I got a price error on it. Got it for like 120, <laughs> 150 bucks. Uh, a regular price. I never would have bought it. I, I again, I only played it sparingly. Um, but I, I am open minded about this event tomorrow. Uh, and maybe on the next episode of the podcast, I'll talk about whether the event uh, kind of moved the meter for me. Maybe we could all talk about that for the next last call or something. So uh, yeah, that's that's where I'm at with it. And uh, we'll we'll see what happens tomorrow morning. Yeah, sounds good. Do you? Uh... <clears throat> You'll have to uh, get the rest off for the outro this week. Uh yeah, I, I guess I'll 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 try. I'm gonna, definitely gonna be rusty <laughs> with this, so I'm not uh, not sure exactly what uh, what you guys have been recording without me necessarily. But uh, yeah, here we go. So uh, yeah, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, obviously, a little bit of a you know kind of a mix, uh, a little bit of a uh, all over the place kind of podcast. A lot of different games we talked about. Not necessarily an RPG focus today, but uh, we're taking it light and breezy. Middle of the summer here, you know, we're all uh, sweating our faces off. So it's nice to uh, just kind of relax and kick back with uh, some smaller games or some lighter games, unless you're playing The Last of Us Two and uh, <laughs> mur- murdering everybody in sight. It's a little bit of a different story, but. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, thank you, Casey, obviously, for, for joining us. Uh, it's always good to have you on the podcast. So it was nice to talk to you about uh, Paper Mario. And maybe we'll get some more uh, extended thoughts about the game uh, as you get closer to the end of it. Yep. Yeah. Always a pleasure. Uh, I, I believe earlier you were, I don't know, you said light and breeze. I don't know if that meant necessarily lengthwise, but uh, we, we got a nice hearty episode here. 
it was not not light and breezy uh, lengthwise, but I, I guess I, I was thinking about the fact that we were kind of dipping in and out of a bunch of different games, a lot of different topics. So we we were kind of jumping all over the place this week as opposed to uh, our signature deep dive episode. So mm. uh, a little bit, yeah, just kind of mixing it up for everybody out there. Um, obviously, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, you know, we'd love to have you uh, subscribe on your uh, podcast player of choice. Please leave us a review. It helps with visibility. That's always awesome. Um, send us an email, uh, david at the thirsty mage.com um yeah david loves to get uh feedback questions you know requests for games you want to play on the show like we've obviously we do plan you know weeks ahead but uh we're always looking to uh fill up weeks later in the schedule as well so uh, yeah let us know what games you would like us to cover uh i think uh next week we are going to be talking about david i'm way behind what are we talking about next week <laughs> oh that one's up in the air uh, we're is thinking it the we're, episode? No. well it was river city ransom potentially but we also have we okay, have a few okay. uh, things in the hopper like yeah yeah yakuza kiwami um yep. we're uh, potentially golden sun so they're yes yeah the right. the schedule we we have the games picked the, the dates for them are a little fluid but yeah so uh, yeah in the near future yeah look forward to things like yakuza kiwami 1 and 2 uh, Golden Sun, definitely. Uh, David just picked up a physical copy of that. His first Game Boy Advance yep. game, if you'll believe it. Uh, but yeah, we'll be talking about the Game Boy Advance a little bit, I'm sure, during that episode, too. Uh, yeah, um, so yeah, some some interesting games coming up on the schedule. River Seed and Ransom is a, a favorite of mine. I think we're we're going to try to get a, uh, a crossover with uh, the Talk Nintendo podcast for that one as well. And it's on Nintendo Switch Online, so everyone can uh, play through that one quickly uh, before, before that episode launches. But uh, yeah, we'll be back soon with something uh, cool and good and new and we'll we'll see how that goes um but i think that's i think that's all for us uh you guys recorded a uh a video a new segment just before this one what did you what did you talk about what did you go over i know that'll be on our youtube channel the nintendo direct mini oh gosh and plenty uh, my, my... of shin megami tensei baby oh yeah that's right uh yeah I, I, okay i gotta i gotta watch the video i want to i want to talk to you guys about that game maybe next uh, those games next week as well apparently there's going to be a i think it's it's tomorrow or it's in the next seven days or so there's going to be a live stream of uh shimigami tensei 3 nocturne uh a, a japanese live stream as far as i know uh, uh maybe on atlas's uh youtube channel so that would be something we could maybe have a look at and talk about as well maybe next week mm-hmm. or that'd be a good topic for your uh your video segment as a follow-up too um, yeah, I was looking forward to that game. Obviously, uh, more more SMT. Uh, I'm definitely down for it. It was it was really cool to finally finally see uh, SMT five. So uh, everyone can check out the Thirsty Mage uh, YouTube channel for uh, Casey and David talking about the Nintendo Direct Mini. Um, David, uh, do we have any uh, reviews coming up on the Thirsty Mage website? Uh, what have you been working on review wise? I know you've been busy with Last of Us two, obviously. Yeah, but... uh, there's that. Uh, I think uh, Casey was going to be doing one for Paper Mario. Um, I'm sure mm-hmm. I'll be talking about. Final Fantasy 14. Um, yeah, yes. there's a few games that'll be coming out end of July. Um, not 100% sure which ones we'll be covering, but uh, I'm sure the uh, now that I've gotten through some of the big bigger titles like uh, the uh, fi- like the Legend of Heroes, there was a pretty pretty long go, and then The Last of Us 2 following it up right after that. So it's kind of opened my my schedule's opened up a bit more. So hopefully we'll uh, be able to start to pumping those out a little bit more frequently. Sounds good. Yeah, that's kind of how I was feeling after going straight from uh, Xenoblade Chronicles uh, Definitive Edition to uh, Trails of Cold Steel 3 like we both played. Uh, that was uh, many, many hours of RPG goodness, but it is nice to have a little bit of a break here at the end yep. of the month. 
Um, yeah, so that's that's uh, that's all for us for to for tonight, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for joining us. I uh, would love to hear from you uh, in you know various various channels. Hit us up on Twitter. Uh, hit the Thirsty Mage uh, YouTube channel, and uh, we're still looking for subscribers there. We still got giveaways to do. So if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, uh, please do so. Uh, but that's everything. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, everybody. Thanks for joining us, and have a good night. Bye. See you. Bye.